attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we've got to fight, and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walk out of here, give the pack of back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre Hey Pack, welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about your favourite football club and it is the greatest football club in the multiverse. Even though I don't say that enough, I always do mean it. I'm Danny McGinley, he's Tom Boyd, here we are Boydie in the dark days of November. But it is a bit exciting, we've got a, we've had a draft. Does that, does that bring up good memories for you? Well, uh, good to be here Danny. Um, for starters, I got drafted to the Giants, so not particularly. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, I was actually thinking it was ten day, ten years to the day yesterday. Oh wow! Since my my draft, so um, yeah, it feels like it was. It actually feels like it was ten years ago. Everyone always says that time flies, but I tend to think that most of the time, when you've done a lot and there's been a lot happen, if you think about it, you know, with any depth of information, you'll realise that there was a lot that happened and it didn't go that fast at a lot of periods and other periods it did. So no, I, I don't have any particular feelings. I, I do. Feel find though that it is one of those periods of time in the football calendar where the football media is as cringy as humanly possible <laughs> and at 18 coming into the afl like a wide-eyed you know um little deer you uh you don't have the ability to say hey no i don't want to do this this is going to make me look like a moron and in five years i'm going to wish that i never ever was you know asked to take a you know, top photo on the beach or whatever they had to do <laughs> well um riley sanders one of our new recruits well i think the best video i've seen is they mic'd him up just after he was drafted and we sort of saw him go through the night like he had to do a couple of photo shoots he he met bevo uh he met uh he obviously met jordan croft and and maddie croft but he, he actually he, he I, I sensed his excitement, like this was a dream come true for him. I thought that was actually uh, pretty good content. He seems a very nice kid who's who's uh, only ever – like it, the thing they kept talking about is he missed his high school formal to go and train with the Sandringham Dragons. Did you get to go to your formal, Boydie? I did, mate. I did, but we didn't have formals in year 12. We had like a valedictory dinner, I think. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. But isn't also, it? that that's that's one of those occasions, Danny, where he should have gone to his formal. Oh, I agree, totally agree. But it's a good story for draft night, and any. And, but from here on, it's a tragic story. He should have gone. Yeah, but I'm and, happy and he like, did. It's one of those things where I think like a lot of young players get caught up into like this caricature of professionalism, which is undeniably important. But one of the things that happens when you do get to an AFL club is that veneer of I'm a perfect person washes off really quickly because to build relationships, you can't be perfect, right? Like it's just impossible to be a a good teammate or a friend if people can't get under the surface of understanding what makes you tick and what kind of individual you are and what you're interested in and what the actual real you is versus, and again, I'm talking from experience being someone who put forth this very um, cardboard cutout uh, version of myself to the world because I felt that it helped me and, Look, the media and the clubs ate it up like it was it was anything. So 
I just feel that, yeah, these young guys could certainly learn and will learn quickly, I should say, once they arrive at the club, that it's about who they are, not sort of the one, the version of themselves they want to put to the world that really matters. Yeah, one of our other draftees, uh, Joel Frazier, uh, I, was, I listened to an interview with him on SEN, uh, and he's uh, he, we're recording this on Friday. Um, he would have had his first training session this morning, uh, and uh, as of last night, his housemates with Tom Liberatore. Yeah, so I mean, a, a lot of the young boys tend to shack up with one of the older boys in the initial stages. I mean, I think we've said a few times on this podcast about why one of the reasons it was so disappointing, obviously, that Mitch Wallace got pushed out the door in the way that he did was that he was so good at looking after young players and having them come to his house. And uh, the way I describe it to some people is one of the great advantages I have now working in the corporate sector is um, football exposes you to so many different types of people. Um, You know, I've been with people who, you know, were sort of kicked out of school or left school when they were 14. I've been to school who, um, sorry, played football with guys who grew up in the country or grew up in the middle of the city and went to some of the Ivy League private schools. Um, but what you do need to remember is that there is a large portion of those individuals who do get drafted, who are still trying to figure out how to get to places on time, when to come in and put their you know data in the iPad and answer the questions when they get there, be there at meetings and contribute the way they should, strapping, organising your life, you know, doing insurance and Etc. 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 So it's really, really useful to have um, senior players looking after those guys in the early stages, just so that they have one less thing to worry about being getting to the footy club on time and knowing what to do. Yeah, but Boydie, it's it's Libba. We both know he's a natural uh, contrarian. He's probably going to teach him to how to do, do everything backwards. Yeah, maybe outside of the things that you need to do to be a great footballer, though, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yes, Libba is an eccentric, interesting human being. But having said that, if you look at his body of work of the last few years, I can guarantee he's not late to meetings. He doesn't miss training. He trains hard. He prepares well, and he plays great footy. That's a if you can get those four things, the rest of it you can fix. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other okay, well, let's talk about our other. Uh, we got caught. Do, do you know anything about the draftees? By the way, I mean apart from the thing that I don't like about um, draft time in the media, you talk about cringeworthy broadcasting, is everyone just sounds like a real estate agent. Like they're describing this terrible rental out in Frankston, but they're there going, oh, it's a, he's a real competitor. He's uh, oh, he's got a great... Uh, and they just say all this gobbledygook that doesn't mean much to me. He's a two-way runner. He's a, uh, you know, he's a good... He can handball with both, both legs. You know, it's... Do you know actually any inside information that we could actually use here on this pod for us for us civilians like myself uh about our draftees short answer is no i know nothing nah. about any of them um what i will say is that if your adjectives are um he's a competitor he's a two-way runner and he can handle with both feet they're shit that's like <laughs> to your point it's a doer opera is what we're getting um <laughs> Because that, like, at the end of the day, the the draft is so positively slanted. And to your point, it's such a positive experience. I think one of the reasons why the guys who are obviously in the top sort of 15 of the draft and are there on draft night, um, they know they're going to be drafted. So the excitement is about where, not about if, um, yeah. which means that you get these great reactions at the end because they're not sort of sitting there either – bitterly disappointed or or um, ecstatic, but, you know, having walked into the night, not sure about what they would say or where they would go and all that sort of stuff. So I just, um, I, I find that 
anything, as I said, that you need, you hear from any of the draftees, you need to take with a grain of salt because, you know, the guys who are decent and, you know, might be really strong junior footballers are generational talents, future captains. And I'm like, there's only 18 captains at any club. And (laughs) from what I can tell, most of those captains tend to be captains for a long time. So the chances that there's 11 future captains in one draft class is basically zero. What did they say about you? What was what was your terms? Once in a generation, uh, obviously going to yep. win a twenty sixteen uh, Norm Smith medal. Uh yep. I think it was like uh, the full package. Um, yeah, best number one pick ever? Question mark. Dot dot dot. Yeah, good. That's cool stuff. Like I was in a weird time where there'd been sort of what was it? it must have been so it was Patton Whitfield, me, McCartan. Um, as a number one pick, so I'm talking about here. So there, and look, Jesse Hogan was mixed in there as well as that sort of uh, mini draft thing they used to do for the up and coming clubs or the the, uh, the new clubs. So there was a comparative um, ability for people to look at different key forwards and and try and work out who was the best and who was you know good at this and where they ranked against each other and all that rubbish. So there was just this you know never ending spiral of. Um, you know, which of these big guys is going to be the next Tom Hawkins or whatever. So I, I found it like by the end, it was just, it's so boring now looking back at it because the the fact of the matter is that, you know, 90% of these players are going to fail by the standards that people put on them when they get drafted yep. because everyone's going, they're a future 200-game player, they're going to be a captain, they're going to be this, they're going to be that. And the likelihood that that works out is pretty bloody low. So... Um, what you will find out in about five minutes when you arrive at a football club, for the most part, this is not true of all players, in the first month of training, you work out whether these guys are going to be AFL footballers or not. It doesn't take long. Really? Um, it's whether they pick up the pace of, game, pace of play, their skill level's good enough, whether they've got the toughness, whether they can deal with playing against men, um, whether they can deal with the physicality, uh, whether they can absorb enough information and be coached, like all of those things you don't get a, a heap of exposure to or at least not to the same level when you're a junior as you do when you're a senior footballer. So I remember, and I've said this on this podcast, um, like Leif might be, not be the best example, Vandermeer, because he's obviously had a lot of injuries. But when I saw Leif for the first time, I was like, he could play AFL football because he's got the speed. Ed yeah. Richards was the same. Aaron Norton was the same. Bailey Dale had an unbelievable skill set and hand-eye coordination from a young age, and he just needed to find himself in the right position. Caleb Daniel was obvious from day one. Josh Dunkley, the same. Like All of these guys who I came through with at the Bulldogs, it was obvious and I was certain they were going to play AFL football. Um, and I was also, to be honest, and I won't name the other side of the coin, but I was certain that the players who I saw um, in the first month weren't going to make it. It was abundantly obvious. Did you get anything one wrong? Like, does there anyone you you saw? Nah, they're not going to make it, and then they did. Well, I mean, like, say, like the Rourke Smiths of the world. I didn't think he'd play as much senior footy as he ended up playing. Yep. Um, who else is a good example? I mean, about Bailey Dale in terms of the heights that he's reached. Yeah, so all like, Australian. He like Bailey Dale is great at tennis, cricket, um, table tennis, anything with your hands and requiring hand eye coordination he's terrific at which is a huge advantage um who else was it that i was probably wrong about it was i mean it was hard to see um zane cordy having as good a career when i first got there i suppose but pretty soon you just worked out how bloody tough he was uh, which always helps yeah 
I'm sure there's more, mate, but yeah, I, I, I would say I go at about 90% strike rate. Yeah. Uh, and I would say the other players feel the same. All right. Well, if you want to know who was the failure, sign up to the Patreon. We're, uh... <laughs> mate, there, there are a few, like, I, and I mean this, I'm, this is not a reflection of their character. There were a few that I wouldn't have picked to play at Norwood that came through. Wow. Um, like, you just look at their body type or their kicking ability and you're like, you can't fix that. It's not; they're not going to grow three inches and fill out with their and create broad shoulders, and they're certainly not going to be able to learn how to kick both feet under pressure in the toughest game in in the world, for my opinion. You know that um, every listener is trying to work out who you're talking about now. Don't even waste your time, my friends. Just sign up to the Patreon, uh, and also maybe you could come to a live event next year. Boydie and I are talking about doing some of these. The fixture is out. Have you have you had a look at the fixture, Boydie? I mean, round one against the D's. I got to say, I'm not happy that this is becoming a regular thing. I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I want to be excited that footy's back on. Uh, I don't want to have that much rage in me at round one. Uh, I'd, I'd rather we, we we it's mixed up and we get a different per, different opponent every year. Uh, I like the idea of ha- having the same opening game. Like I, I feel like the Bulldogs have always had a real struggle getting special games. Oh, totally, mate. Like, Even like Good Friday is the best example. We we fought for that. We finally got it. We played North Melbourne in the first one where we beat them by only five points. Absolute classic, sold-out stadium. And they took it off us the next year, gave it to bloody St Kilda. Well, I played in a couple of them, I think. You did? It's North. So we did. I thought we got it taken off us more recently than that. Anyway, doesn't really matter. I, I just think, like, there's, there's two schools of thought, right? There are the undeniably big games. Games, right, which is round one opening game, mm-hmm. Anzac Day, um, those types of things. We're never getting any of those. Yeah, sad. So, how do you create another opportunity to have a special game? Well, you create a rivalry with another club that you really, really don't like, and Melbourne are a great example of that. <laughs> and the only issue I have is that we're about to walk into a Melbourne side who is absolutely jacked up after underperforming and being dragged through the fiery red-hot coals of the critical you-have-a-bad-culture media for the last month. And I can promise you with every fibre in my body that up there in their training facility somewhere is going to say Melbourne Demons equals bad culture as a motivating factor and they will be as eager as ever to set their record straight round one against us and you know we've had a lot of change so we may just magically get that spice that you get say when Bevo arrived and you get this sort of snap of freshness and um you know uh, an ability to get back on the right track from a performance point of view but we also might have some teething issues where we're just trying to work out how to play the best footy again and bit of team change and all that sort of stuff is that what Clayton Oliver was trying to tattoo on his foot Melbourne Demons have a bad culture yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> have um, you ever? He's got. Have you ever, in all of your time, you know, just having a loose, mad Monday, ever thought to yourself, "I think I'll give myself a tattoo." I don't think I've ever seen a tattoo gun. Like, I mean, other than in a tattoo store, yeah. Of which I was only there because my um, my friend's dad uh, has got one. Um, but like, you know, the the age old story of someone down the coast who has a a tattoo gun. Yeah. 
And after, you know, a few gym beams, presumably, you get it out and you start drawing it on each other, but the only catch is that it never comes off. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever heard to me. Like, there's not one fibre in my body, not to use the same uh, saying twice, but there's not one fibre in my body that considers tattooing myself at any stage, particularly, except for the very short period of time when I thought about getting one for the grand final, but that moment passed, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think I never get the premiership tattoos. I think I've said this on the pod, but uh, it's it's a bit of my life. I'm definitely going to remember being part of that 2016. <laughs> I don't need to be reminded by looking at my elbow and just go, "Oh yeah, that's right, that happened." Oh, on the fan side of thing, I find it crazy, right? Like, I think that's absolutely nuts. I think the the endearing factor for players is if you get four or five guys who get the same design and you oh, do yeah. it all together. Yeah, like the Fellowship like, of the Ring. Yeah, it's sort of exactly. It's sort of like the um, the solidification of an event that happened that took a lot of hard work and and effort and some special people. But um, yeah, I I, uh, I get the sense that Melbourne will come out very very hard. So hopefully we're ready for the challenge. Well, it's one o'clock on the Sunday on uh, St Patrick's Day, so I will be I'm not. Fine. It's yeah, absolutely. MCG St Paddy's Day. Uh, what's the nearest Great Irish year. pub to the MCG? It's going to have to be. Oh, there's Brighty O'Reilly's on Chapel Street. Surely there's one yeah, closer than that. Not that close. No. Um, oh, there's, there's, the, one, there's a couple in town. Are there? O'Malley's. Yeah, they're not that. I'm sure someone can let us know, but there's a couple on uh, Church Street anyway. But yeah, you know, all pubs are Irish pubs on St Patrick's Day. So. We'll be there celebrating the the getting rid of all the snakes in Ireland uh, by getting rid of the snakes out of the MCG. Round two, we play. Round two, we're straight to Ballarat uh, against Gold Coast, which I'm not too happy about. You usually want to play Gold Coast at Ballarat uh, in the depths of winter. Uh, we want them having frostbite, but oh well, we've been thrown 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 there. Um, but and then we play uh, when we got those poor bastards that have dealt with Ballarat every year for the last five Oh, and they years. will forevermore. <laughs> but there is a game... Is the, like, this is what fixturing is all about. Giving the most um, like advantage to a team that's willing to go play outside of the metropolitan hubs. Yeah. Where you go, you know who would hate to play in Alice Springs the most? The team that's going to be in Tasmania. Yeah. They're yeah. the ones who are going to ice because of the heat difference. And, um, like, I can just imagine those boys from the Gold Coast Suns walking, you know, onto the plane in their flip-flops and board shorts at 28 degrees, beautiful day, no wind, just thinking about getting off and then driving an hour and 40 minutes to Ballarat in the <laughs> middle of August. <laughs> it really makes me feel good. <laughs> that you're not in footy anymore. Then we got um, – so round four um, is the gather round uh, up yep. against – so we're playing Geelong at Adelaide Oval. Who would have thought that we'd find a way to play them away from Cadinia Park for once and uh, it's at Adelaide Oval. But, hey, Boydie, I'm thinking and I'm bringing the fans into an, to one of these on-air meetings we have uh, and also there's a game three weeks later against the Dockers on uh, round seven – why don't we have an event where we get all the Danny Boyd listeners we, when the dogs are playing interstate and uh, we watch 
the team on the big screen all together. You and I will have a chat before the game, maybe at halftime. Maybe we'll bring some of our, our good friends along to interview them. And we just have a, a good fun night with the listeners uh, to, you know, to, to watch our beloved heroes. Oh, mate, I think that sounds like a perfect way to consume the football. If we, um, if we are to do this, and this on-air meeting is, uh, is certainly in session, um, we, uh, we should just sort of book out three or four for the year so that everyone knows when they are and they can put it in their calendars and be away or hanging out with family or something crazy like that. <laughs> Unless, of course, they want to bring the whole family to hang out with us. That would yeah, make sense. That could work. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that would be a, a great way to sort of do a watch along. We just need to find the right place to do it and... Um, we'll be ready to go. Yeah, we've talked about that. Uh, what's that pub in Yarraville that dogs love? The 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 Union Railway. The Railway. That's the one. Railway in Yarraville. That could be a good one. Uh, well, or- we just need a, we need to find a room that's the right size, and the yep. pub will let us watch. Yeah, and then we also think I think we should take suggestions too. So perhaps if anyone's listening to this and they feel like there's a good pub that would cater for the most amount of bulldog supporters and yep. Danny Boyd supporters more specifically. Put it in the comments, send us a message, let us know what might work best because um, it would be a blast just watching the game and, and being able to connect with all the fans of this wonderful show. And we could do that for the uh, the night games of, uh, you know, the dogs v. the cats and uh, the dogs v. the dockers. I'm looking down now at um, round 10, May 18. Uh, dogs are playing the Giants at, uh, at, at obviously, up there in um, Giant Stadium. It's a twilight game. That's a family-friendly one. That's the one you bring the kids so the Giants still don't have a major sponsor. Is that what I just heard? Uh, it's just called Giant Stadium, which I like. Which is because they don't have a major sponsor. <laughs> for the stadium. Well, it used to be Spotless, which of course was made that because there was there was no crowd there to to make a mess. It, well, that's when our mate Chris Grant was running the joint. Um, was he? Because I was there. Well, Danny, I think I've told this before on the podcast. So to, it originally, don't forget, it was Skoda Stadium. Oh, yes, that great uh, Polish I car, at, I believe. I was at the um, inaugural press conference to announce Spotless as the major stadium's uh, partner of the GWS Giants and had to listen to our uh, future uh, football uh, head of football or whatever he's called, Chris Grant, announced that fact because he was the CEO of Spotless at the time. Ah, okay. I thought you meant CEO of the Giants. Yeah, and I thought that, that doesn't add up. What does Spotless do? Spotless are the catering company that do all of the food and beverages for like the MCG in all of the stadiums. Okay. They need to lift their game. They're massive. I think they're like 5,000 employees or something. Okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. All right. Well, um, what else is there? Is there any other business in this meeting or indeed this episode? We've talked about our draftees. We, uh, are, you, are you overall excited about the draftees? I mean, who have we, who have we mentioned? Let me just go back and just talk. Uh, there was... Well, we've, got, we've got a couple of midfielders, a ruckman and a sort of middle-sized forward. Is that accurate? Riley Sanders, uh, midfielder, he's like a new Trelaw. Uh, Jordan Croft, of course, like a new Matty Croft. Amazing. Uh, we got a couple of wingers, Joel Frazier and uh, Aidan O'Driscoll from um, Frio Stock. And then uh, we got a, a new um, yeah, backup ruckman in uh, Lockie Smith, who, as we said, looks uh, – he's just going to get older, as we say. He looks 45 now. He's, he's the new Marcus Adams. So, I mean – we're, we are undoubtedly very, very light on in the ruck department. Oh, yes. We are one Tim English knock on wood injury away from being completely hung out. 
try Ugh. in that department. Yep. Which is uh, mildly concerning because even though our mate who's just been uh, out drafted as our backup ruckman does look like he's 28 years old and a seasoned veteran, perhaps even 38 years old, some could say. <laughs> um, he's not, which means that, you know, you don't exactly want to throw a 202-centimetre um, young pup out there to, to the Wolves in their first season for the most part. That's probably the thing that concerns me most, Danny. I mean, uh, as I think I said, that when Will Minson was playing so much footy in the ruck and so many minutes in the ruck, he said that eventually it just broke him. Um, because it's such an arduous position to play. And he felt like there was a spillover season to season that didn't get fixed by just having, you know, a light off-season and a pre-season in between. So I just, I absolutely hope with all of my heart that Timmy English uh, stays healthy this year because, as I said, if we don't have him out in the park, we're in serious strife. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's, uh, that's a very grim uh, scenario. So let's not talk about that. Let's... Uh, we, well, we've got our we've got our draftees. They're you know they're, they're all great. They're all going to be brilliant. Um, Fox Footy Fox Footy gave us a B for our draft. I think most people are happy. I know even uh, our friend Chaz Lichardello was quite happy uh, with it. So you know he's he's of course a, a stats nerd uh, of what we've got. Um, we should briefly. I think that was just we didn't pick up that small forward that he didn't want us to get. That's right. He did uh, the one that Hawthorne took in front of us. Yeah, he, he was absolutely adamant. He goes, why do we need another small forward? We need midfielders. And we got a midfielder, so he's yeah. probably wrapped. And he's already got a nickname, the Colonel. I mean, it's quite obvious. Uh, what's the quickest you've seen a nickname come out to your teammates? Uh, I don't I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Um, like, because there's obviously a, a balance between, like, exi- like no, I, n- I never really had a good nickname because... Like Boydie is just such an easy one to run with, and it was pretty uh, impressive considering Matty Boyd was there. It's it's pretty weird that you got that. Yeah, but Matty Boyd's middle name's Keith, so <laughs> that's an easy and obvious nickname to give someone because it's such a funny old name. It is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I also I'm not a huge like I don't love the clubs sharing the nicknames too early either. Yeah, I agree. It's It's got to yeah, be an organic like thing. It should be something that comes out around their first game, you know? Yeah. Like, the, for all of the, you know, all-access uh, cameras that we have these days, there should still be, like, the inner sanctum of the club that isn't necessarily shared with all of the fans. And if it is, it should be shared at the right time, is my opinion. Because otherwise, like, what do you have? You always have, like, this fear that you're being watched when you're at a footy club as a player at least <laughs> it is, it's not good for your paranoia I mean Joel Frazier will just be called Freezer or hopefully it hopefully it evolves into something like Iceman or uh, you know Mr. Freeze you know, uh, well, what's, how, how Frozone his brain, they'll, 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 the obvious would be Freezer so they'll call him Oven or something oh right that's yeah. how they work yeah nice being ironic <laughs> it's usually a hop skip and a jump or it might be even simpler I'll just be Fridge that'd be a oh yeah all right, that'll that'll transform into Ridgy Ditch or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some there's some good nicknames out. Well, how do you feel, Matty? Do you feel better or worse after the draft? Because I suppose, um, and we need to wrap this up soon. Um, but I, I feel like I don't feel any different post draft yep. than I probably did before it. Which is that we're almost there, but we need like five or six players to really take a next step forward, and our current ones who played good football this year to stay where they are. Yeah, I've, I agree. Chance next year. 
I agree. We're, um, you know, and also I don't know. I, you know, we we don't know. It's all real estate jargon. They they seem nice. I'll support them. I'll cheer them on. Are they going to be better than the other eighteen clubs? No idea. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll be optimistic because I choose to live my life that way. But uh, who the hell knows? Uh, but you know, but the question the question is, Danny. In the way that we drafted and operated through the trade period, it gave the impression that we feel like we have a premiership-capable list. Yes, we're going all in, and I do like that. I like the and we're doubling, we're doubling down on what we have. We didn't exactly sell the farm or try and move any major pieces. Yeah. The question is, is that accurate? Because if it's not and we have another disappointing year, there are four or five players who are already discussed at, at nauseam the uh, possibility of them leaving, um, obviously Bailey Smith being the highest profile one. So um, I hope they're right. I hope they made the right call. Yeah, oh, absolutely. This could be uh, – our podcast could become quite grim over the next few years if this one fails. But we will keep doing it and we will keep uh, a, a positive attitude and keep you informed, you awesome people, and hopefully have a beer with you uh, next year at all these events. We've still got another episode to finish off the year. We are going to be chatting to AFLW retiree Rocky Cranston, who has an amazing story. And and uh, for the Patreons, we're going to find out the inside goss from her of what the hell happened this year and you know yeah. very sad to lose uh, Nathan Burke and it looks like uh, Gabby even better uh, rec- she's requested a trade to Frio so a lot of the friends of the show are moving on which is quite sad but uh, we're not leaving you're not leaving the listeners you're, you're, you're you'll stick true you're dogs fans that's what you do we've got a good enough list in the men's I'm confident for our podcast not to be grim at all next year for the most part nice um, until maybe we had the same issues where we fell off a cliff like with you know, eight weeks to go or whatever. Um, but I will say that there, I know we do have one more episode, as Danny just mentioned, uh, this year. But just remember and cast your eyes and your minds into the future where you're sitting around, you know, in the midst of the warm months here in Victoria, somewhere in the realms of January and February, and you're hearing me and Danny try and make sense of the preseason bullshit that comes out. <laughs> How good the boys are going. Training the house down. Last couple of years, I'm absolutely uh, chomping at the bit to go and do that with you again next year. (laughs) It's going to be great, Boydie. Thank you. You got anything to plug? No, mate. Go buy me book. Yeah, sweet. Go buy his book. Go, go, go to the basement comedy club, and you'll probably see me. That'll happen. All right. Thanks, Boydie. Go dogs. I give my childhood to that role. Of the red, white and blue sea And the knowledge that you had to love The bulldog boys and me Twenty years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets It's a long, long road they're running for you Dogs and Footscray Streets